0: This week, millions of frontline healthcare workers are receiving the Pfizer vaccine. And most of them, like Dr. Catalina gonzalez Marquez from Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Welcome to history. had no issues and hopes this is just the beginning. I believe in vaccines and, you know, we're only going to really get past this if enough people actually get vaccinated. Welcome to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks. I'm Gloria Harrison a TV producer living in New York. And I'm Carrie Clifford, an actor and writer living in Los Angeles. We first met in elementary school outside Boston.
1: When I was part of a program that bused kids from the inner city to school in the suburbs. We're going to talk about privilege and disadvantage. And about what it's like to move from one world to another without really feeling at home in either.
0: In this podcast, we're having conversations about race. And the awkwardness that
1: comes with learning about people from another culture. Gloria are we
0: gonna talk about the vaccine?
1: I mean everybody else is talking about it so <laughs> I, I, I think that needs to be the conversation that must be had of course I know
0: and I have to be honest like I I honestly up until maybe a couple weeks ago, I did not even realize that there was like a racial aspect to this you know because sort of my white people everyone is like where do i sign up where can i get in line you know and then we were talking about that it's actually that's not a universal feeling
1: Right. And it's also not there are also white Americans, just so you know, who are fearful of it, too. Um, But that brings me to my thing with you when you say like you didn't know it was a racial thing. Like I would say people say, does everything come down to race? Mm -hmm. And (laughs) and I want to say something to you about that. It depends on who you are. right? And it depends on who's asking the question. So if I were to say to you for uh, most white Americans, I feel like it doesn't come down to race because it doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. OK, but when you're speaking about being a black American or someone who's black or brown, I feel like it definitely comes down to race. And even mm-hmm. when we don't want it to come down to race, somebody reminds us, hey, right. you're black, you're brown. Right. And history reminds us of what we've been through. So even if, as much as I'd like to say, you know what, I, I want to roll up my sleeve. Right. I want to say, listen, count me in. But I'm scared <laughs> as hell. Listen, right. I'm scared as hell. And here's the thing. When you said, do we do we have to talk about it? Absolutely, because I want to dance. I want to go to the club. I want to have my cocktails. I want to get with my colleagues and friends like we used to. And I right. want to be a part of the solution, not the problem. But I'll be honest with you, I'm scared as hell. Right. I'm scared. And I speak for, I'm from Boston. I'm from Dorchester. So when I hear stories of people being afraid from all over America, being Black American, being brown. It's not just something that they're just afraid for no reason. It comes from uh, the way Black Americans have been treated in in America. Right. And people say, yeah.
0: And and then I think that there's even more of an issue because aren't Black and brown people being more affected by the pandemic and more affected by COVID anyway? So then it's like you have... Both sides of that issue, right? Like, right.
1: Some people are like, "Listen, you're you're dying at a record number. Run right. there and take it." But we're like, "Hold up. Am I right. gonna get the same <laughs> vaccine as Carrie? Right. As right. Karen? As Becky? Am I? Right. Right. And people are like Gloria, you know better. And honestly, I'm educated enough to to know better. And right. I know that in the end, guess what? I'm gonna take it. But I'm telling you honestly, in my heart, right. In my soul, thinking about everything that's gone on. In this country, I'm scared.
0: Right. I'm afraid. Uh, but uh, we we have lots of opinions, but we are not experts. So we're so lucky that we get to talk to someone who knows more about the vaccine, more about medicine, more about everything that we just were talking about. So, Rich, we're so lucky to have Dr. Rich Joseph, who's the director of the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, their Center for Community Wellness.
1: Absolutely. Do- Thank Dr. you. Dr.
0: Rich. <laughs> Please help here. us. <laughs> I know.
1: Welcome. Yeah,
0: we're, we're deferring to you because you obviously are... Well, tell us a little bit about what you do, but you obviously work more with the community that we're sort of talking about, right?
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, again, pleasure to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I <laughs> um, Thank you. I always <laughs> say, like, I am not... I'm not an infectious disease expert, uh, but I do a lot of community outreach work through my work, my sort of role at the Brigham. And a lot of that work recently has been about engaging, you know, particularly black and brown communities around issues around the vaccine and sort of just trust in, in general or in sort of the, the healthcare setting. Uh, and there's a lot of work to do around that, obviously. And so uh, I think it's just about hosting the dialogue and. allowing people to ask questions and being there to hear them. And and that's a lot of what I've been trying to do Uh, and learning a lot as I go, honestly.
0: And what do you find, like, what's the biggest resistance? What are people saying to you that they don't want to go line up? They don't want to get in line and get this vaccine? I
2: think there's concern about uh, side effects just because it it has been, um, you know, again, it's been like a real feat uh, of medical science that to yeah. create this vaccine so quickly, right? Like, you know, compared to sort of how long it's taken to create other vaccines. And I think that that does cause hesitation for people. Like, how, how is that possible to get this thing developed so quickly? Um, and so in some sense, you know, it is somewhat... You know you can call it experimental in the sense that we don't have long-term data about it that's true um but you know i'll tell i'll say that from the colleagues that i've talked to who've been you know intimately involved with conduct- conducting the trials like it's been done extremely rigorously uh and um so we sort of have to go with what we got in terms of the mm-hmm. data that we have thus far and, and obviously we're responding to an immediate crisis right so there's, there's that trade-off that we're weighing
1: Right. Right. I want to tell you, I had an opportunity. One of my uh, colleagues from Boston sent me um, a clip, and it was actually of Reverend Liz Walker, the pastor of Mm -hmm. Roxbury Presbyterian Church. And yeah, and you know, she was really, um, she did a conversation about COVID-19, where do we go from here? And on that, uh, in that conversation was Dr. Fauci. And I thought really what he said resonated with me and other people. So um, I want us all to take a listen, and then I want to get your opinion on on what he's saying. For sure. I think what one needs to do is to try and find out what the reason that they are reluctant to get vaccinated. Is it a broad, generic reason, a distrust of the medical establishment because of the history of the abuse, particularly of the African-American community, with things that date back as far as Tuskegee and and, uh, Henrietta Lacks issues? Or is it something about the process of the speed with which this vaccine was developed and somewhat of the mixed signals that one has been getting in this divisive society from
2: Washington.
0: Yeah, so, what what do you think about that? Like, w- which aspect are you running into the most?
2: I think most people bring up the latter, honestly. I think that um, people generally understand that there's, you know, a history of, of institutional racism in medicine, right? And I think that none of us can say that that's not true. I mean, that is blatantly true in in sort of those cases that he mentioned. Um, You know, I think that we've improved leaps and bounds from those days, but it's still we have a lot of work to do. But I think sort of more immediately um, my sense is that it's been, yeah, it's been sort of murky how everything is developed. (laughs) Like it's not super transparent all the time. And again, I think that that's partly because, uh, of some faults of the, the government and sort of how this has been done. I think it's also just like transparency, like p- moving at, you know, Operation Warp Speed, it's called Warp Speed, and like it's hard to sort of keep everyone apprised of exactly what's happening if you're going at that pace. Uh, and, and I think that the challenge is obviously this is something that requires buy-in from all of us, right? So you sort of have to get that that buy-in and, transparent and, and be transparent about it. And I don't think that that infrastructure was set up I mean, just get look at how we sort of fund our public health system in this country, right? We don't, we don't, basically, right. as much as we should. And so, you know, if that infrastructure is not set up to really sort of mass message what's happening for a, a real national emergency around people's health, then uh, we're going to suffer for it. And I think that that's been you know, if you, if you are part of these institutions where these trials are taking place, or if you have sort of connections to the medical establishment and stuff like that, you're probably a bit more plugged into sort of what's happening day to day. Uh, but I think many people feel sort of on the outs of that, and, and particularly communities that for a long time before COVID have been on the outs of these discussions. Right. Yeah.
1: We asked a number of people in the Boston area, as well as New York, even California, what are the, your plans? Are you planning to take the vaccine? Why or why not? We just don't have enough information. We don't know the impact these vaccines can have on our bodies.
0: I feel as this this
1: whole vaccine and how they are going about it is yeah. is is, um, is a outright disgrace to the American democracy
2: From my perspective, the vaccine seems safe um, I understand stress about you know taking part in any medical procedure. But to me, you know, it's gotten all the approvals. All of the scientists seem to think that it's safe. At this point, plenty of people have gotten it. I am absolutely ready to take it so that I can get back to doing the things that I love.
1: I encourage us brown people, black and brown people, to go out and get the vaccine. Stop saying that the government is trying to kill us. If the government don't kill us, the virus will. I do work in the healthcare system. I work in an emergency room, so I see the people that come in that have to be intubated, and it is not a pretty sight. And let me let me ask you something, Rich. For someone that's in Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan, who's who may be listening, what advice would you give them? Because. I- I don't live there anymore, but I'd love to hear it because I want to do better. I want to be a part of the solution and not the person who says, I'm going to hold on to my history and and not get this vaccine. So what advice would you give?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think this, I mean, sort of gets back to why I got into this work in the first place is I think, you know, Boston is just is such an extreme example of this where it's such a small place but there's like such divide within like four miles right like the sort of the life expectancy drops from back bay to Dorchester like the extreme number of years and like and I think it's just so remarkable because it's so small right like you can get to these places so quickly but there's this huge divide and so I just feel like for a number of years these large institutions and you know again the Brigham's a wonderful place Mass General is a wonderful place. They do amazing work, but for a long time, they just haven't been very invested in the communities that are in their own backyard or, or, or spending the time sort of having this dialogue. And so that's a lot of what I'm what I'm trying to do. I think that, you know, my... But I also think, you know, some of my advice is to get... Um, active in your own health as much as possible. I think one of the things that's a challenge in a city like this is that people feel like, oh, well, there's such a robust healthcare infrastructure here. So like, people like I'll be taken care of when I need to be taken care of. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I think sometimes that can be disempowering for people because then they don't feel like, oh, it's like, it's still like on you, I think, to figure out, to understand your own health, right? It's your yourself that you're taking care of. And what does that mean? That means understanding sort of, you know, how to sort of Look at research. Now, I mean, not like really dive into it, but like understand what's coming out of these trials. Like, what does this mean? What does it say? Uh, can I look at this sort of somewhat critically? Um, and making sure that you're getting your information from reputable resources. I think that's an, another challenge right now. is just that there's so many sort of conspiracy theories out there, to mm-hmm. you know, straight up <laughs> disinformation. To um, and so that's another thing that. And I don't think in medicine. We're particularly good at that, uh, sort of like combating uh, those issues that come out and sort of, you know, in social media and stuff like that. We're just not set up to sort of like fire back quite as much. And, right, right. Um, yes. Yeah, so but we, have
0: it, you in your personal, like your experience with dealing with people from, you know, whichever community that you found people who are super resistant for whatever reason, whether it's a myth or whether it's, you know, valid history, have you been able to? to change people's perspective change people's minds
2: yeah i think uh, you know i don't come in with the intention of trying to change people's minds honestly right it's much more about like can i give people the most accurate information and have them make informed decisions for themselves because i get it right like i think that as i said like there's still not long-term data with this with the, with the vaccine and um so but I, we're supposed I, to,
0: aren't we supposed to have like 70 to 80%, 80, 70 to 85% of the yeah, country vaccinated a, to yeah, have herd immunity? Challenge. No, it's that's, a challenge. I mean, that's crazy, right? I, mean, I
2: think it gets to the point of like the tension in this country all the time between sort of like individual choice and public health, right? Which like public health means like, that's actually like everyone has to buy into that, right? And right. Especially something like this. And so uh, there is that inherent tension all the time for all of us. And, um, you know, I think that the the worst thing to do, though, I think is sort of to say like, oh, hey, you have to do this thing. And like, yeah, you know, right? Because that for too long has been sort of what medicine and medical culture has been all about. And I think now it's actually like, you know, I don't think, I think COVID is an opportunity to start changing the dialogue and to start rebuilding and earning. I think the medical community needs to earn the trust of these communities that for so long have been um, sort of on the outs and not, uh, not brought into the conversation. And so... Um,
1: let me yeah. ask you this. Do you do you have hope? Do I mean listening to you, I like I every time I talk to someone, every time I listen to Dr. Fauci, people that I trust, even talking to you, I get a little closer to, you know what? I'm going to make the right decision, but more people need to have conversations like what we're having. And saying mm-hmm. just to hear you say, I understand how you feel, Gloria. I understand what you've been through. That means a lot to me. Instead of just saying, you know what? People just need to take it. It doesn't matter because I'm real like in my mind, like, okay, but, and it's funny. I laugh, but I'm I'm serious. Like, am I getting the same vaccine that my neighbor's getting? Right. Does my zip code depend on the kind of um, vaccine that I'm going to get?
2: Right. And I think that the sad part is that like, you know, you have to ask those questions, but I also get why you ask those questions, right, given the history we were just talking about. And so I think, um, yeah, it's coming from a place, I think, for me, of just building empathy and understanding and sort of meeting people where they're at, right? I think I think over time, people see enough people getting vaccinated, their friends getting vaccinated, stuff like that, and they feel like, okay, this person got it they're okay, right. you know, my doctor, I talked to my doctor about it. <laughs> they're, okay. they're okay, are they okay? <laughs> <laughs> they're okay for now. For now, <laughs> for now. Right. let me wait
1: another month, two months. <laughs> Come on Rich, how long, what? six months? And I, think, I think that's also, also the hard part is like,
2: you know, there are different type they're different different vaccines coming out, right, too. So people right. say like, oh, should I wait for this one? Should I get this one now, right. I, you know? So I think that it's, um, it, it's complicated. I think that there will be, a sort of a tipping point There where people like, you know, say, okay, it's like, I really need to get back to sort of what life was like. And, you know, right. I see all these other people who are now able to go out and do this thing because they got vaccinated. And like, I want to make sure that I do that too. I mean, I think there will be an element of sort of, sort of momentum that builds the vaccine. I think you're already seeing that in some of the, the newer studies that have come out, looking at how many people would say yes. And, you know, that is changing over time now that they're rolling out. But uh, I still think, I still think there's like a deeper questions sort of beneath the immediate vaccine question that um, that we need to work on and, and keep yeah. having these dialogues. Yeah.
1: Question for and, you. Have you, I'm sorry, have you, no taken, have you taken the vaccine?
2: I have not taken the vaccine yet. And I'll, I'll say why I haven't is mainly because I do outpatient work right now. And so a lot of my work can be virtual. And so I want to make sure that all of my Colleagues who are actually in the hospital, sort of in the ICUs right now, that they get it before I do. Um, but right. I, I'd be happy to take it. I, uh, and when when my time comes, I'll be more than happy to to do it and line right up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool, <laughs> Carrie. What were you gonna say?
0: I was just gonna say like just my lack of knowledge, but sort of the populations, and I don't mean this specifically race wise, but the populations that are resistant are they also the people that are resistant to getting the flu shot or like you know i when my son was born there were so many anti vaxxers about you know getting vaccinated getting your kid vaccinated you know what i mean is there is there crossover because i i also feel like some of those anti vaxxer moms that i'm talking about are now like oh no 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 i want to be first in line to get the covid <laughs> one you know it's like a, this seems obviously more catastrophic um but do you run into that too just with uh, people that don't want to get the flu shot or what? Cause now the flu shot seems like a drop in the bucket compared to this. Right. Like,
2: yeah, I, mean, I think, I think anytime you're sort of putting something foreign into your body, right. Like that, that brings up a lot of questions for people and, and trust issues. And, and, uh, you know, I would say that I haven't run into like too many people who are like, you know, very anti-vax necessarily, but I have, um, seen that those people are fueling a lot of the theories out there that are not grounded in science that make people mm-hmm. more hesitant who who might otherwise choose to get the vaccine. that are causing them pause for sure, um, right? Right. So I think that that's again, it, it's it's um, it's it's sort of a battle of information in a lot of ways, right? And I think that we as the scientific community have to do a better job of of messaging truth um, around science. And you know, I don't think that we're you know. All will praise to Dr. Fauci for like, I mean, the guy has given literally like tireless effort to, to spread this yeah. message, right? <laughs> but like, not everyone, like we can't just rely on like one Dr. Fauci to do that. There need to be people in all these communities who are ambassadors right. of truth, right? And like that, um, we need to really think about how we set that up. And, and that's just but I feel like people
0: look to you that way too. Like, I know you're, you're not in infectious disease, but still people that, you know, rely on you and your community are looking to you for those answers and confidence. And I'm yeah. looking
1: to you right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, I know, and I know that there are those people out there in other communities too, but how do we, how do we make sure we support them? And, you know, I think that I'm, I'm blessed to be able to have the, the opportunity to do this job through the institution that I do it. But I also know that, you know, uh, there need to be more like me who yeah. have this opportunity to do this. Right. Cause, cause there are, are other communities to be served and people who need to, it, and as you guys know, it takes time to develop the relationships and build the trust with people that they feel like, okay, like if, if he's saying it, like I get it. And, and right. you know, um, people t- tend to maybe don't have that all the time with their primary care doctors. Right. If they're changing doctors a yeah. bunch and you know, if they're being seen by different specialists and stuff like that, they don't feel particularly connected to anyone in the healthcare system. That's a yeah. problem.
1: Let me ask you this. Yeah. What do you think about the Office of Ideas and giving us this platform really to talk to you and to hopefully get someone who's listening to rethink their decision about the vaccine? I, I, I honestly am humbled by this experience, and I thank you so much for spending time with Carrie and I because I want, seriously, if one person can say, listen, all right, I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to give it mm-hmm. a chance. I'm going to start to look at my health a little different and start to check for myself and really start to think about why am I resistant? And what could I do if I'm resistant? What could I do to, you know, is there someone, is there a doctor in my community that I could talk to? Is there another way that I could find out, like you said, my own research on the local level? So not that I'm overwhelmed, but so that I can make a, um, an informed decision as to what's best for me and for my family. So back to the question, what do you think of, you know, the Office of Ideas and what we're trying to do right now?
2: No, I think it's I think it's tremendous. I mean, again, I, I'm i humbled by the opportunity to be here and hang out with you guys. I think that, <laughs> I, I think that you know, to your point is how do we create, I think health is about empowerment, right? How do you empower people, right? That's ultimately what it's about. And I think that, unfortunately, the way our, our healthcare system set up is it, it can be quite disempowering for people, right? In, in the sense that it sort of strips them of, of a lot of their identity, it strips them of knowledge that they otherwise could have. It's like sort of placing the burden of like taking care of my health in a whole system, right? Versus like, I own this for myself as much as I can. And then I have professionals who help me along the way. Right. And it's a very sort of different idea. And so I think, you know, the question is how do we set that up on like a larger level, right? Like, it's great that I can do it in Dorchester. And I think that, you know, then it's like coming onto a podcast like this to hopefully reach more people. Right. And so how do we do it on a very sort of local level where we're interacting with people, meeting people's families, getting building that trust over time and then, you know, having the platforms that we have now. And as you guys are Mm -hmm. hosting, like, to actually share that message wider, right? There are are ways to do it. I just don't think that we've really cracked that code as much as we need to in sort of the scientific community.
1: When I think about the vaccine, I'm opposed to it. I'm not interested in getting the shot. Too many side effects.
2: I feel like the vaccine is part of business, but I would put it on if it's gonna make my family and we can all have a normal life again. I think we should all do it. I don't feel that we're being pushed to do it. You do it if you want to, but I think we should all do it. Actually, I already had COVID and it's a really bad, bad, bad experience I just had.
0: I am executive director of an assisted living community for people with dementia. I am super excited about getting the COVID-19 vaccine. I've been waiting for it put me in the front of the line, I'll roll up my sleeve. (laughs) I am encouraging my staff and my residents to get it as well. I feel like the long-term effects of COVID-19, the dangers far outweigh any dangers that could come from long-term effects of getting this vaccine.
1: Hi, I'm from Boston and somebody asked me the question, will I take the vaccine? My opinion, I have no choice because I'm on dialysis and that's kidney failure. I might have to take it. I really don't want to take it, really don't have a choice. Hell no, I ain't taking that damn vaccine. Listen, if the government's finna pay us $1,500 a piece to take this vaccine, baby, I ain't finna be on that commercial 10 years from now that said if you took a COVID vaccine between this time and this time, you might be entitled to some compensation. Nah, I'm finna study y'all though.
2: If you're not gonna trust the scientists and you're not gonna trust the doctors, Don't go
1: crying to them when you're sick and dying. Take the vaccine. And you know what I also learned? I was listening to 1010 Winds, and they said there's a surge in young people now applying to go into medical school, to be nurses, to be doctors, because they're inspired by Dr. Fauci and others, and Rich Joseph, and other people <laughs> that are doing their magic. And seriously, it's exciting for me. And like I said, I wonder if we could get more people, like you said, that can speak on local levels, who can be like a junior, uh, in their own right, uh, Dr. Fauci, somebody right. that could spend time, because my man's 80 years old, honey. He listened. <laughs> right. right. He is probably tired of talking. He's like, listen, I'm going to try to help America as long as I can. And listen, don't tell anybody this, but... You know, my son said not to tell you guys, but I actually, um, I think I have a crush on Dr. Fauci. Well, you you
0: call him your man, so <laughs> I think it's clear, right? <laughs> I, think,
2: I think he's very deserving of that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, and he I is. think,
1: listen, first I was on Cuomo. Like, I move around. I like older men, right? But I said, listen, I think uh, a lot of women, like, seriously, they see these men in power, oh, yeah. like, and it's just to me, like, he said on that, um, uh, the conversation with, um. Reverend Walker, he said, how do I make it in this world? I do two things. He said, I keep focused. And I'm like, you know what? In my next life, I want to be like him. Not so hyper. Yeah, right. <laughs> learn to listen <laughs> and just be focused. Oh and then God. the second thing was having someone in his life, and that's his wife, who calms him when all the Twitter nonsense is going on. When we have people in the uh, you know political arena saying things about him that are not true. You notice how he always would just sit there and be like, you know what? this is what we need to do to crush this virus. I'm like, he is so bad.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. He yeah is so yeah, totally. bad. And I was totally. like, how does
1: he do it? And he said, I stay focused.
2: Yeah. That's yeah, it's been Incredible.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he's seriously.
0: Been, it's, he's like yeah. the only beacon of light, right? right? Light.
1: <laughs> and my kids are like, why do you always like these older white men? I said, listen, I'm just telling you, there's something about them. You know, my friend said, do you like Italians? I said, I don't know what it is. I just know that Dr. Fauci <laughs> is smooth. <laughs> he's smart he's brilliant and welcome to america a lot of people love him i adore him Mom's honestly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now when i'm not married next week you know what i'm saying maybe i could you know
0: figure something else out <laughs> no but this is awesome yeah totally
2: yeah no it's, it's totally my pleasure i think it, it's just been yeah it's a joy to chat with you guys it's been awesome to listen to some of your other podcasts and, and just hear about your story together and and uh yeah, you know, I think, as you say, it's just about having these dialogues, right, between the two of you and what you both represent from the places that you come from. And and then, you know, me trying to also sort of bridge the gap in the way that I do, too. Right. It's about bridging gap and making connections. And I think that's that's the only way forward, I think, for a lot of the challenges in this world right now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And I also before we go, I wanted to ask you, like, on a personal level, like even in listening to our podcast or the issue that we're talking about to vaccine or to not um, on a personal level. Do you connect with any of what we're saying beyond just your job, but like uh, from a personal standpoint?
2: Yeah, tremendously. Uh, I I do tremendously. I, um, I grew up in a neighborhood, uh, where there were probably like 50 kids my age, all from different uh, races and ethnicities and grew up, I think you use the term like sort of racial ignorance or like, you know, a sort of like blissfully, yes, blissfully racially ignorant. Right. right? It was, right. Just like, was totally like not even on my radar and then only became more and more on my radar as I, sort of made my way through sort of different, you know, sort of different educational institutions that I've been to now. And obviously now in, in the medical profession, understanding how it sort of seeped into that profession as well. Um, and, you know, I'm biracial and and uh, sort of always never, you know, still probably don't feel like I have like a, a clear sort of racial home in, in a society that's extremely race-based, right, as you know. Right. And so uh, I think, you know, a lot of the work that I do in, in in the community now is sort of my attempt in some ways to like build a bit of a home for myself too. As much as I feel like I'm helping people and trying to help people, I think it's also, I benefit a ton because I'm making connections with a group of people that I feel like are sort of like, you know, home in some way for me now. That's uh, amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's important. And that's why I was just curious. I'm like, you know what? I love that you do listen and that I wanted to just get your input on that because even though Carrie and I went to school all those years, we do, we're learning as adults. We grew up together, but there's so many differences and it's not easy to talk about the things that we're talking about, No, but we're trying. No, it's not, (laughs) you're
2: you're doing it and it's it's important, (laughs) right? And it's sort of, it's messy and it's thorny and like all this stuff. And like, that's even, you know, these conversations that I've been hosting around COVID and the vaccine, same way. It's like, You know, people are going to trip on themselves. They're going to sort of say things that they're like, oh, uh, you know, I don't don't know if I said the right thing. And like, that's just, I think that's just part of the process, honestly. But yeah, I mean, to your point in another podcast I was listening to, it's just like making, it's not making the attempt, right? It's just like trying right
1: exactly and putting in the work and like carrie jokes with me like gloria i don't want to be labeled as a karen right so we joke about that but honestly i don't want to be labeled as an angry black woman it's like when i get excited it doesn't mean that i'm angry and i'm angry at the world i'm just so passionate like we literally have cried together we get angry with each other we uh text each other like a little (laughs) you know a little sassiness it's like we are just honestly going through it and trying to tell our story and, and not saying the wrong thing like am I going to say something that tomorrow I'm going to be like okay why did I say that
2: right, right. <laughs> you, but you guys have that shared basis of, of empathy and long history of, of right. friendship now and I think to your point of like how do you bring people from different worlds together right so that they can form those relationships such that like when they do trip over themselves and say something <laughs> that they didn't think about like there's not you know, you can sort of get back up from that and sort of learn from it, right? Versus feeling like you're under attack or something like that. Yes. And I think I think that yeah. that's that's sort of where we need to get to. And I think you know we can do it through education, we can do it through health, we can. There are a lot of different ways to do it because these. I mean, it's it a shared human experience, right? What we're going through now, and so totally, we, we might it as well figure out how to yeah. use it for the be- the benefit of all of us, right?
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. No one is like you know impervious. Whatever that word is. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right,
1: No one's above it. No one's beneath it. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, we're all going through it.
0: dumbass people in Hollywood that are getting you know, the test right before they go to a party, they're still getting it. So okay. there's no, like, money can't
1: buy you out of it. Yeah. No, and also folks need to understand, I don't know if it's going on where you guys are at, but in New York, they just busted some folks that were secretively trying to get the vaccine ahead of other people. And they're saying, mm. listen, Cuomo's like, listen to the government. We're going to tell you when it's your turn. Don't right. try to spend money. Don't try to, because it may not even be the vaccine. You might be getting some Kool-Aid yeah, in there. Right. Some Kool-Aid right. in your arm." (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, so you need to wait your turn and, and, and not try to be, you know, shady. Because money can't buy everything. (laughs) You know? So, to the privilege, y'all need to be careful. That's why you're
0: scared, Gloria. You're like, I'm going to get Kool Aid.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You knew it. I knew you'd bring it out of me. That's why I'm afraid.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You can't do it in a back alley. You got to go to an actual clinic. Right. Uh, well, this is awesome, Rich. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Yes. And guess this what? I mean, pleasure. I want to tell you thank you because you are our first guest of 2021. So, Dr. Rich, from That's the bottom of exciting. our hearts, <laughs> thank you. That's We're going to bring in the new year with you. Yeah. It's, How it's
2: exciting totally is my that? Pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really and appreciate it. And
0: keep us posted on, on the vaccine when you get it, if you're yeah, on Yeah, how it yeah. feels. How it feels, yeah. I'll let yeah. you know.
2: You guys can report out to the whole to the crowd. Yes, we to want to. Sure.
1: We want to follow up.
0: This episode was sponsored by the Office of Ideas. An initiative of the Brigham and Women's Hospital Department of Emergency Medicine. Which fights for inclusive, accessible, high-quality health care. For everyone. For everyone. You've been listening to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks with my mom, Gloria. And my mom, Carrie. This episode was produced by Frank Valida, Carrie Clifford, Gloria Harrison, and an ACL joint production. With the music by Alex Skolnick Trio. Check them out at alexskolnick.com. Tune in next time to hear more from our moms. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.